0: Hi, good morning, church. It's good to see your beautiful and handsome faces this morning. And it's so good to be back in this house. So, Felicia and Hi and the kids, we've been in Springfield now, maybe about six or so weeks now. I mean, we've not, I think we've not even spent a month there fully. We've been traveling back some, but we're just so thankful for that, for what God has started doing with us In Springfield already. And we're so thankful for you as well. I mean, the ways in which you've loved us, cared for us, and supported us as we've moved along all the way to Springfield. We're so thankful for you all. So today, um, we're going to continue our journey through the book of Mark. And um, we're going to continue our discipleship series for those of us who are new and don't know about what we've been doing. So we're joining through the book of Mark. And we're calling this series, Follow. So last week, Pastor Eddie was in um, Mark chapter 10. He ended from verse 31. So I'm going to continue as well today from 32 and take us all the way through verse 52. But let me, let's, let me pray for us before we get started this morning. Father, we thank you again for another time in your presence We thank you for your spirit in this place. Holy Spirit, we pray this morning. Would you pour out your grace on us? Let great grace abound on our church, oh God. Holy Spirit, we want to see your power this morning among us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, before we start out this morning, Let me just share this with you briefly. April 15, 2014, was one of the most significant time in Nigeria. I come from Nigeria. I'm from the southern part of Nigeria. But in northern part of Nigeria, um, we had an event happen on April 15. 276 schoolgirls were kidnapped. Can I see the screen? So these girls were, I think, middle and high school students from the ages of maybe 10 up until like 16 or 15. They were kidnapped by a group of Islamic militants. They call themselves Boko Haram. They believed that Western education is bad. So they kidnapped these 276 girls who were in a school. To learn. These girls were condemned to rape, all kinds of abuses, and some of them, death. They were separated from their families. Two hundred and seventy six young girls. My daughter in that group was sent to school for that. So the government were trying to negotiate with these bandits, and they're going to pay them a ransom of $50 million to get the girls out. These girls were condemned to all kinds of abuses from this group. They were under a condemnation. But they were trying to get, out, they were trying to get them out of that state. So a ransom had to be paid. And when we hear the word ransom, in our language, it's about we're thinking about. The price you pay to buy something back, to get something back. So they demanded $50 million to get these sales back. So the word ransom there is a key word we're going to see in our study this morning. Ransom. Ransom. That's the word we're going to see this morning. So let's turn our Bibles now to Mark chapter 10 now. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read from verse 35 now. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Oh, sorry, I'm going to go back to 32. We're going to read from verse 32. From verse 32. And they were on the road, going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. Saying, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests. And the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And he said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And he said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be, they began to be indignant at James and John, and Jesus called them to him and said to them, Do you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them? And their great ones exercise authority over them. But shall not be so among you. But whoever will be great among you must be your servant. And whoever will be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Amen. The settings for these events. I mean, scholars tell us that these events happened a week before the crucifixion. So these events happened in, around the Jericho area as Jesus was making his way up to Jerusalem. Jericho is in that bigger brother circle. Then Jerusalem is a smaller one on the left side of it. So Jesus was making his way up to Jerusalem. So this was, I mean, this was probably around Thursday or Friday. Then the Sunday was when we entered Jerusalem for Palm Sunday as we celebrate Then the Friday after that was Good Friday, the crucifixion. So you can imagine, this was Jesus' last entrance making his way to Jerusalem. He knew what was going to happen to him there, So that's the setting here now. That's what we're seeing here. So what I'm going to do now is I'll make a couple of observations through what we just read. Then we'll come back and we'll zoom in on an area here. The first thing I will see here is Jesus was making, up his, was making his way up to Jerusalem in verse 32. You see that there. He was going to Jerusalem. He knew what was ahead of him, yet he went. The people that were following him, the disciples and the crowd that were with him, was a mixture of amazement and fear. Jesus had said before, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be killed when I get there. They were like, oh boy. I mean, I think some of the disciples said, let us go with him so that we might die with him there in the book of John. They were afraid for their lives. Are we going to die? They were thinking, it's going to be a political king. There was a revolution before then. There were several people that died in that revolt against the Romans that was crushed. But at this point, they were like, what's going to happen to us? They had no idea. I mean, for me, this also echoes as uh, some of you know, in 2019, March, I left my job to go into full-time ministry. Before then, I was, I was a principal investigator, a mass general, uh, assistant professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. So I had a good role there. My colleagues were like amazed. They were like, Steve, are you going crazy? You have all these wonderful opportunities before you. My boss had basically said to me, "said, well, in about a year or two, you're going to become an associate professor. So, what are you looking for?" They were like, "Is this guy crazy?" Inside me, I'm trying to get those. What was Jesus' mindset? The people around him. What was their mind frame? Inside me, they were fears within. They were fears without. What's going to happen to my family? We're dependent. Mostly on my income. What's going to happen? How are we going to pay our mortgage? The kids go to private school. How are we going to continue that? We had loans that needed to be paid. God, how will this be? Fears. My wife was a bundle of fear at that time. I remember many times she would just sit before God, saying, God, I don't understand. How will this be, God? Then she was... One morning, she, she was so paralyzed with fear and could not even go to work. She was just there. She said she was going to cry it out before God. She was crying it out before God, and God gave her a word. These are not one-time decisions. You make them again and again. We've had to confront fears inside and outside again and again. Even as we make our way to Springfield as well, there are fears everywhere, all around us. So that's the setting. People following Jesus had no idea what was ahead of them. So we see in verse 3 and verse 34, Jesus predicted his suffering there. We're going to come back to that. Then we see the request of James and John in verse 35 to 37. Bold request. Jesus did not condemn them for asking. He did not. We have not because we ask not. It's better to ask and not to ask. They came to ask; Jesus did not. We booked them for asking. Then we see Jesus' response. Jesus spoke about: Are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Are you going to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm going to baptize with? I mean, they had no idea. They had to say, "Yeah, yeah, we're able." They had no idea. Well, the cup, as Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 51, Jeremiah 25, the cup represents God's wrath, God's punishment. I mean, that is a cup. And the baptism, David speaks about this in Psalm 69, verses 1 and 2, if you can go back and read that. It's been flooded. I mean, when, when we do our baptisms here, people go under, they're immersed. So baptism is being overwhelmed with something, with suffering, with problems. That was baptism. And they were like, yeah, we're able. Well, Jesus said to them in verse 39, he said, yeah, for sure, you will share indeed. In my cup, and in my baptism, and yes, they did. Church history, I mean, well, even in Acts chapter 12, James, this same James, was beheaded by Herod. And church history tells us that John was in imprisoned on the island of Patmos, where he, where he saw the visions and wrote the book of Revelations. So they indeed shared. I mean, this same John was imprisoned with Peter. They indeed shared the call and the baptism of Jesus. Then we see the reaction of the 10 in verse 41. And then in verse 42 and 44, Jesus gave them instruction in discipleship. And then in verse 45, Jesus described his mission. We're going to come back to that. Then we see the request of blind Bartimaeus. In verse 46 to the end of that chapter, we see that request of blind Bartimaeus there. And the Lord, he was persistent in his accent. So we can focus on any of this. And those will be great Salmon points for us to preach about, for us to learn from. But our focus today will be, we're going to focus, we're going to narrow in on verse 45 today, where Jesus said, he described his mission. He said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Ransom, that word here again. But before we do that, I want us to step back a little bit now. So we said, we're doing a series, follow, we're following Jesus through the book of Mark. And the book of Mark, actually, I mean, the focus there is discipleship. So I wanted to notice something. So when we read now, Jesus predicting his suffering and his death, this was his third time. The first time was in Mark chapter 8, In Mark chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus predicted that he was going to be, suffer, and he was going to die. And then we see Peter in verse 32, Peter rebuked Jesus. He said, No, you won't die. That was the first time. He said, You won't die. Then we see Jesus' instruction in Mark 8 now, verse 34 and verse 38. Basically, I'm just going to read that for us now. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life we will lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it probably demand man to gain the old world and lose his own soul? That was Jesus' response to that. When Peter said, No, you won't suffer. Jesus said, You will. You have to. It's the way of the gospel. Then the second time Jesus predicted his death is in Mark chapter 9. It was also the same thing there. Jesus predicted his death in Mark 9, 30 through 32. And then there was an argument after that about who was going to be the greatest among them. And Jesus again, the master teacher, the great teacher, gave them instruction in discipleship in verses 35 through 37 of Mark chapter 9. And now we come to this junction in Mark chapter ten, Jesus again predicting his death. And what do we see after that? John and James came. Well, this is our opportunity. Let's go ask. And the ten were like, really? They were thinking, I probably should have gone first. To so ask to be the one on the right and on the left. They were angry at James and John. But Jesus again gave them. Further that instruction in discipleship. And here, it tells them what his mission is. So before we go on now, I want us to think for a moment. Jesus here describes his mission in verse 45. The Son of Man came not to be served. Rulers and kings are served but he said, no, among you, we are to serve. Say, I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Before we go on, I want us to look at the state of our world today. When we look at the world, what do we see in the world? The world is plagued, is under the dominion of sin. The whole world is under sin right now. And what is sin? Sin. Before before we look at that word further now, so let's look at sin. Let's look at what sin is. Sin, Isaiah 66. Isaiah tells us what sin is. Sin, you may offend my brother, you may offend my sister, but sin ultimately is against God. Let's look at the definition of sin now. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 3 and verse 4, I'm just going to read from the B part now for the sake of time. He says these, the B part of verse 3 now, say these have chosen their own ways. The people of Israel now, they're bringing sacrifices and offerings and whatnot. But, G, but, but God said to them, say they have chosen their own ways and they are so delight in their abominations. The Lord said, I, in verse 4, I also will choose as treatments for them and bring their fears upon them because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not listen but they did what was evil in my eyes and chose that which I did not delight in. What is sin? Choosing our own ways. Delighting in the things that God hates. Not listening to God's voice. Choosing that which God does not delight in. Let me ask a question here. Is there anyone here who looks at the law of God and says, All my life I've always chosen what God wants and not my own way. Anyone like that? I choose my way all, almost all the time. And that is the same. Choosing our own way is sin. same. The old world is on that same. The old world is on that same. Paul tells us in Romans 3:20, he said, for all our sinned. All of us have sinned. Every single one of us. We have all sinned. We've all chosen our own ways. You may not kidnap someone. You, may, you might not have killed someone but have you chosen your own ways instead of God's ways? That is sin. And sin is against the holy God. God is holy. And because God is righteous and just, sin must be punished. The penalty for sin is death. The payment for sin is death. The reward we get for sin is death. All of us are under the commission of death. Paul tells us that in Romans six twenty three. But well, now let's look at John actually. Let's see the provision of God. So God requires us to be pure and holy. So what does God do? God send us son, Jesus, sends us His Son Jesus. Now, sends us His Son Jesus. In John 3, and all of us know this by now, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves the world so much, even though we hate God, even though we disobey him, even though we don't like him, even though we don't listen to his voice, even though we love the things he hates, Even though we're his enemies, God loves us. He loves the world. He loves every man and woman, every child, every skin color, every nation. God loves the world. And what does he do? He sends his one and only son. His one and only son. And anyone who believes in this son will not perish. Will not be under the condemnation of death. 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. Hmm. Is condemned already. Look at the horrors those militants would do to those girls. Nothing can be compared to the orders of anyone who has not believed in Jesus. Verse 36 of John chapter 3 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. I appeal to you. I love you, friend. I love you, brothers and sisters. Is there anyone in this room today who has not believed in Jesus? The love of God is real. The condemnation is death. Jesus tells us in Matthew 25, hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. It's not meant for you. It's not meant for man. But anyone who Persist in their disobedience is gonna go there. He's actually under that condemnation, John Dell said, He's condemned already. We still condemn people around us, around us. But God doesn't want any of that. God doesn't want that. God's gift is eternal life. God gave his life so that we may all come to him and be saved. That is why God sent his son to ransom the world, to ransom us. Jesus is our ransom. I'm thankful. I know many of you are here. Today I saved. But if anyone is, not, is here right now, I beg you in God's name, God sent his son to come and ransom you. If you're not among the ransomed, you're not safe. I beg you. I urge you, in God's name, please do not walk out of this room without turning to Jesus. So, in first Peter, in first Peter one. So, my first point here today is that you are ransomed by God. You are ransomed by God. If you believe in Jesus, you have been ransomed by God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, now, 1 Peter 1, we see Peter now describe that for us, actually. In verse 18, uh, Peter says to to that church in dispersion, he said, knowing that you were ransomed, from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We are ransomed from futile ways. The end of sin is death, it is futility, it is profitless, it's an hopeless life. There are two ages. There's one age now, in which we're living now, and there's an age to come, in which we we'll all live eternally, in which sin will be dealt with. In this age right now, we have our choice right now. In the next age, there is no chance anymore. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Abel 9, 27, it, it is appointed for man to die once, and after death is judgment. Today is the day. Today is the day. If you are here in this room and you don't know where you stand with God, today is the day. Peter continues that. He continues that thought in 1 Peter 3 and verse 18. He tells us what that ransom actually means now. In verse 18, Peter tells us, 1 Peter 3 verse 18, Peter tells us, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Christ suffered for me, a sinner, a criminal, a thief, a liar, a rebel, the righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus paid the price to redeem me. If you are redeemed, if you are ransomed, Jesus paid the price to redeem you, to save you, to bring you to his father, to bring you home as a son with all the full rights of his son in God's house. That's what Jesus did. I want us to pause right now. Let's all pray right now. This is serious matters right now. Do you know someone? Do you know someone who is not safe? Do you know someone who stands condemned before God right now? Can you just, let's pray right now for that one person that you know. Let's pray for them right now. Or you might actually be in the room right now. Today is the day. Let's pray right now, all of us. Pray for someone that you know right now. The consequence of God ransoming us is the fact that you don't belong to yourself anymore. You know, when you buy something, I mean, the terms that have been used, there were terms that were used in first century Israel back then. When you ransom something, you're basically buying that thing, and it belongs to you. I was supposed to die, and God sent his son to die in my place so I don't belong to myself anymore the suffering I ought to take Jesus suffered for me so I don't belong to myself anymore Paul tells us in first Corinthians 6 verse 19 say you don't belong to yourself anymore said do you know that you have been bought with a price you have been bought with a price you don't belong to yourself still you're not your own You are not your own anymore. You were bought with a price. You don't own yourself. You don't decide and say, yeah, I'm just going to go do a PhD right now. I'm just going to go make all money in the world. No! Someone who is ransom doesn't live like that. You belong to the person who bought you. If you're truly bought. You don't belong to yourself anymore. That's the consequence. You are not your own anymore. Jesus came to ransom men from every people, every nation. Jesus came to ransom men for God. That's his mission. Mark tells us in Mark 1 verse 1, said the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke tells us in Acts 1, verse 1, he said, the things that Jesus both began to do and to teach. The things he began to do. Jesus began the walk. He continues to work through you. He continues to work through you, Pedro. The walk continues through you. We are commissioned. Jesus in Mark chapter 16, after his resurrection, he tells them, He said, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to all the nations. You are authorized. You're not your own. The mission of Jesus started with him and continues through you. Continues through me. And we have been authorized. He said, all authority has been given to me. Jesus has given you all authority to go out and walk to bring men and women into the house of God. To ransom souls for God. We're co-workers with God. Paul speaks about this in 1 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6, he says, working together with God, 6 verse 1. "Say, working together with God. So we are co-workers with God. We are co-workers with God. So my charge for us today is this. Knowing that you have been ransomed by God, Knowing that, because you're ransomed, you don't belong to yourself anymore. There's only one way to live. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Follow in the footsteps of Jesus. This old series is follow, follow. We're trying to follow. And Jesus is calling his disciples along. That's why he gave the prediction of his death three times, and then He follows it up with instruction in discipleship. Follow my footsteps. Follow my footsteps. What part did Jesus take? Let's turn to Hebrews 12 now. Hebrews 12. In Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2, the writer tells us, Actually, I'm just going to zoom in on verse 2 because of time. It tells us, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus endured the cross. He despised the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Jesus endured the cross. He endured suffering for me, for you, to bring you back to God. Peter, as well, also actually challenges us now in 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it tells us. In verse 21, Peter tells us this in verse 21. 1 Peter 2 verse 21, the Apostle Peter says, For to these you have been called, you have been invited. Because Christ also suffered for you. Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Christ suffered for you, leaving you and me examples so that we might follow in his steps. Follow, 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 follow Jesus. I want to dispel the idea of easy Christianity. Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 14, said the road, the gate is narrow. And the way is hard. It is hard. Paul says through many afflictions we must enter into the kingdom of God. Christianity is not going to advance if we sit down and just, it's going to be easy. I can do whatever I want to do. I can watch TV all day long. I can watch Netflix all day long. I can sit down, stroll into church. Paul speaks about For these I labor and toil. You come to church to ask a week, praise God for that. Is that laboring and is that toiling? That's a man who walks their life. Is that laboring and is that toiling? Are we gonna follow in the footsteps of Jesus? Or are we gonna go the easy way all the time? Are we gonna do what works best for us and for our families? It's not easy. It is not easy. It is not easy. But Jesus did not say it was gonna be easy. He made the call. Said the gate is narrow and the way is hard. The way is difficult. He made no such promise of it's it's going to be easy, just say yes, and you're going to be in heaven. That's not the promise God made us. Paul was encouraging Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, many scholars believe that the book of 2 Timothy is the last book that Paul wrote. I mean, it was in prison at this point. He knew it was not coming out before it was edited by Nero. And people say, pay attention to the words of a dying man. Pay attention to the entire scriptures. Paul says this. He charged Timothy. In Second Timothy chapter 2, it says in verse 3, it says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. Share in suffering. I'm encouraging you today, friends. Share in suffering as a soldier of Jesus Christ. To advance the mission of Jesus. Let's not go the easy way all the time. Let's share, let's partake in the suffering of Jesus. Paul detailed this. In Philippians 3. He said those, those things that I once counted gain, I now count as loss. He speaks about the things that he could glory him. He was a Pharisee or Pharisees, he was going places, he was a distinction student. But he left all of that. He said, I count that as dung. For the sake of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Moses, in Hebrews 11, he forsook the riches of Egypt and took on the suffering of Christ because he considered the suffering of Christ good and worth and all the pleasures and the riches in Egypt. What are we going to leave behind for the sake of the gospel? What time are you going to give up to labor, to share in the mission of Jesus Christ for the sake of the gospel, knowing that you are laying up for yourself Treasures in heaven. Whatever we make here doesn't go to heaven with us. It ends here. And in that same Second Timothy, Paul does something here. He compares the life of a Christian to a soldier, to an athlete, and to a farmer. Those are difficult jobs. That means endurance. So endure, endure, stay in there, keep doing it, knowing that you have your reward from the Lord. Stay in there. Endure, endure. What is it? Rather endure. The Apostle John speaks of this in Revelation one. Say the patient endurance that is in Christ Jesus. Endure. Jesus endured the cross. He despised the shame. I remember when we made this decision to, to leave my job. We have invited one of our neighbors for the first time to our community group. So he, he came. I mean, I didn't want to share. It was, we've been trying to get him and his wife to come and join our community group. So we've been I mean, trying to like invite him to church. So he came that first time. And the guys in my group were like, see, there's something you say you're going to share with us. Share with us. Oh, I didn't want to share that. I was going to share with the guys that, oh, guys, we've been praying about this and we're leaving. God has called me to leave my job. I didn't want to share that with this unbeliever in the room. We're like, this guy is crazy. Because when we moved to that neighborhood, the guy said, yeah, we're so happy. They were like, yes, thank God we have a doctor, two doctors who live who are our neighbors. We have all our questions answered. I mean, they love us. They'll do anything for you. are like, yes, now we have learned people who live with us now. They took pride in that. So the guy, the guys were like, John was here. He was actually one of the ones that was pressing me. John said, Steve, you're like, what's happening? You're going to tell us. I'm like, oh, I don't want to say this. This guy is here right now. Well, the guys kept pressing me, so I shared with them. The guy was like, he saw me he said, Steve, are you crazy or what? So things like that, the world counts as the glory in that. We don't glory in things like that because we know there is a reward for us in heaven. We're called to partake in the suffering of Christ. I mean, I I stumbled across an article maybe last week now. My heart just, my heart was just bleeding. In southern China, a two-year-old was run over by a vehicle in 2011. Another vehicle comes and runs this two-year-old over, and this baby was bleeding, about to die. Condemned to death. I mean, the running over is the one thing. The, the thing that happened for the next seven minutes was, was the thing that was the thing that tore my heart apart. Eighteen people passed by this two-year-old. Eighteen people passed by this two-year-old. It was captured. The video is online. It's captured on tape. Eighteen people passed by this two-year-old in the middle of our own blood, and nobody stopped to help this baby. Eighteen people, there was a CCTV there, saw eighteen people walk by this baby, and nobody stopped to help. They had eyes, but could not see. Church, We see a lot of condemned people around us. It is not that city, they will be sentenced to condemnation; the sentence is clear already, unless they believe in Jesus. And we are walking by. There are many decent people in this room. I love you all. As I was thinking about this, like you see, a blind man who has, an nose man who can't smell and he's in the house, and the house is burning down on fire, this man who can't see, who can't smell, is there in the room, are we going to let him die in that fire? Are we not going to do something? Are we not going to jump and pull that man out of that fire? What are you going to do? Are we blind? You know, to close us out now, and I'm far over time right now, to close those out, you know, Jesus began this teaching disciples, discipleship in Mark, in Mark chapter 8. And in Mark chapter 8, you can go back and read it now. In Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26, that was the first alien of a blind man. The alien of a blind man. In Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. And Jesus ends the teaching on discipleship, the criteria for discipleship, with also the healing of another blind man. You know, Jesus is crying, oh, I'm going to die. He still did not see that I was going to die. Are we blind to Jesus' requirement for discipleship? Are we blind to what the Lord is acting of us? Are we blind to the multitudes and multitudes that are dying and are going to die unless you rise up and say, I'm going to share and partake in the suffering of Christ? Are we blind? Spiritual blindness is a very common thing. In Isaiah 42, Israel was blind to what God wanted. Are we blind? Church, are we blind? The church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, they were blind. They thought they had it all together. I'm going to read that and we're going to stand up and we're going to pray now. Revelation 3, that church was blind. Revelation 3, from verse 15, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Where are you, friend? Where Where are you? Where are you? Are you hot? Are you cold? Where are you? Where are you? You can't be in between. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I prosper, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, poor blind and naked. And the Lord counsels. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and serve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. That's what I want us to do today. I want us to repent of our spiritual blindness. Let's repent of our spiritual blindness. Let's stand up, church. Let's stand up. All of us, let's stand up together now. Let's all arise right now. Are we blind? Are we blind to what the Lord wants to do? Are we blind to what the Lord has for his church? Are we blind to the needs around us? People that need help, people that need to be served, a world that needs to be saved. Are we blind? Let's tell God now. All of us pray for yourself right now. You know what? Just turn to your neighbor now. Let's pray for each other now. Find, grab a person and pray for that person. God, open the eyes of this person so that they would see. Grab somebody right now. Let's pray. Let's all cry out to God right now. Pastor Acts and we anyway, praying in that church when the Holy Spirit came down. So let's grab someone. Let's pray for them right now and say, Lord God, if this person is blind, in whatever way they are blind, God, open the eyes so that they will see. Let's pray now. Father, I thank you, God, for your word, oh God. In you we see life. God, I pray for your mercy, God. Even as Bartimaeus cried out for mercy, I pray, God, have mercy on us. Open our eyes so that we will see, God. Lord, I pray, have mercy on us, O oh God, so that we will see the needs around us, so that we will see a world that needs help, a world that needs to be saved, O oh God, so that we will also go out and share in the mission of Christ. Lord, open our eyes so that we will see in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord. We praise your name, Lord. In Jesus' name, have we pray.